You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Joel Hammond, Jim Ganser, and Jeff Culleton. Welcome back, everybody. It is The A-Game podcast. Wow. Uh, we didn't talk about that. That's so. new. I didn't yeah, know you were going to sing the intro. Jim just went rogue. Yeah, he's a rogue maverick. Uh, I'm a rogue maverick. Um, but anyway, uh, this is episode four. We've made it four episodes now, and we're building momentum. It's feeling good. Jim Talk Ganser. to me when we get to 400, because honestly, I feel like this is a snowball running downhill right now. We have not been almost canceled. no way to stop us. Mm, no, no. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to make a, a comment like, hey, let's not celebrate every Let's not count episode. our chickens? Oh, no, I've counted them. There's no. 31. <laughs> Jim, Jeff has us going 396 more episodes, which, you know, is, what is that? That's about seven years yeah. worth and, of weekly episodes. Yeah. yeah. No, Go ahead. Jim, I'm sorry, Jim. Yeah, I got in your but, way. Um, well, just... Pure intros for anyone that is checking in for the first time. My name is Jim Ganser. I'm joined today by Jeff Culleton. Hello. And Joel Hammond. How are you doing, Slur? I'm doing great, guys. I'm doing great. <laughs> How are you doing, Slur? <laughs> doing great. You can whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm good. Haven't been drinking. Nope. No, Just water. For those seen. for those of you that don't uh, don't tune in to the video portion of this podcast, which there isn't one. Um, Joel has a, a goatee right now. So, <laughs> Oh, is that what's referring, making you guys giggle? I, I think that's what it is. We're referring to him as evil Joel. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of jinxed us by, by saying this was a professional uh, podcast. True. Yeah, maybe a like high-level high amateur. Yeah, but it's, it's just been one of those days, actually. I mean, I'm, I've been having trouble with meetings today. Uh, I've, my meeting etiquette has been way off. Okay. I've made a point this week of trying to be on time. And prepared, and uh, let's just say my first meeting this morning, I was not only five minutes late, um, I went to the room, nobody was in there, and then I was texted by uh, one of the partners here saying, are you almost here? And it occurred to me that I was supposed to be at a client meeting, Mm. uh, physically present, so... So the four P's have gone out the window The four P's have gone out the window, (laughs) being punctual, uh, participating, uh, being prepared, and um, the last P, which is being present, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I was I was present eventually. You missed a handful of those. However, we are prepared. We are. Punctual. I was not punctual. Man. Yeah, we are prepared, and we are. What were the other ones? Pithy. Pithy. That wasn't it. For the A game. For the A game. Oh, always everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's there's once again uh, there's been a lot to talk about this week. We kind of floated a few topic ideas that we were not going to go towards, uh, even though one of them uh, being a Walmart doing a patent filing for virtual stores, uh, virtual reality, look out Amazon. This really, look this out. one, just so we're all on the same page, this one really got under Jim's craw here. Yeah. This yeah, one really, really stuck in his side. Yeah, because, um, you know, online shopping, you know, the, the big issue with online shopping is not being able to see Walmart. <laughs> that's that's huge for me. So, um, you know, just one step ahead, Duly just noted. operating in a different level. And then Olive Garden, who doesn't love the uh, the breadsticks and salad? Well, how about eat all the pasta you want for a year? 300 bills. That's yeah. a deal. 300 bills. That's a Full deal. year. Bottomless pasta. PR stunt? Maybe. You know, uh, momentum builder? Absolutely. <laughs> um, does it really drive incremental sales? Probably not, um, which is why we're not going to focus on it. But one of the, the topics that kind of stuck with us this week was... Uh, the uh, concept of advertising on Netflix, which is something that comes up from time to time, 
but it seems to be uh, we're getting closer to the point in which they're ready to roll out physical ads. Uh, some people have started noticing that after programs, they're starting to see ads that are Netflix originals pop up within their own feeds. This is the first time since, you know, back in the envelope that Netflix has actually been testing out an advertising platform. And I think it's important to delineate that these are ads specifically for owned Netflix content. These are not ads for, for Procter & Gamble companies. It's not Pantene. It's not Pantene Pro-V to give you a shiny mane. It is, oh, if you well. liked this, you might like this type of advertising. Yes. But it begs the question, is this the start of something? Joel, what do you think about this? Well, Netflix is like, we talked, it's the last frontier, the last holdout, the last bastion that hasn't sort of gone this route. And um, again, it's just for um, their own content. So it'll be interesting to see how it's reviewed. It was great. The link you sent around, Jim, or, or the link I, I found upon a, a Google search was there's already been backlash. Like people will complain literally about anything. You, you're paying $7.99 a month for all the entertainment. I believe you it's possibly... $14.99 a month now, as Jim told me earlier. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I'm correct. My, my wife pays our uh, yeah. Netflix bill. Yeah. So. Understand. Um, if you're listening, honey, thank you. Um, but anyway, yeah. It, it, Backlash about, and what is it, a five-second skippable ad or whatever? It's going to be about content that te- you probably want to see. Theoretically, you're interested in because yeah. you're watching other Netflix originals. Um, uh, I'll be interested to, to see how it rolls out. I, I watch my fair share, including a rewatch right now of Sons of, Sons of Anarchy, which is a fantastic show, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, great show. Jack's Teller and them, but uh, uh, I'll be interested to see what the reaction is, what my experience is like. Look. I want to know more about what Netflix is doing. What else I want to watch? What's next? Like I'm a Netflix junkie. What else are they doing that I maybe haven't heard of yet that you know that I want to know about? So first question, I have two, but this is not a two-part question. These are two completely separate questions. Okay. First of the two questions, number one is if if Netflix were to say they go through a test of this, they uh, you know people aren't skipping it at the rate that they thought they would. Does somebody, because it's a public company and they need to consistently show shareholder value, new shareholder value, is is it almost indefinite that the roadmap is just this is our test balloon to actually showing, you know, real ads within in between programs? Yeah. I mean, advertisers are looking for captive audiences. That's why, you know, we talk about it all the time. That's why sports advertising has not suffered the way other advertising has right you have a captive audience it's live tv for the most part like people you're not you're there right and so that's what advertisers are looking for i have no it's hard for me to imagine a situation where this isn't some sort of test run for yeah. a money right a money making uh, james venture. what do you think is, is this definitely a money making scheme or is this a way to capitalize on their investments we we see with Netflix specifically, a lot of the investments that they're making are going towards content and then expansion from an international perspective. So after the first quarter of this year, they had a a pretty big spike in subscribers. So they got up to about 7.2 million additional subscribers in the first quarter. What does that look like? Is that a monthly basis number or is that, do you know how they make that? That characterization? That's, that's overall in a three-month three period. Three-month overall, okay. But five million of that 7.2 came from international markets. So they're, they're doubling down with regard to foreign language content. 
Um, and frankly, they're estimated to spend somewhere in the neighborhood of 7.5 to 8 billion annually on content specifically. Mm-hmm. So obviously when you're in the content production game, that can get expensive, but it's not just content production. It's also leasing content. So when you put yourself in a position to potentially tee up programming that you own and control, mm-hmm. you're taking a share of time away from some of that third-party content. So is this a cost-saving situation? Are they able to keep people within the Netflix-produced content for longer periods of time, reducing some of the costs associated with what they're basically paying yeah. for secondhand? So, so they have a proven business model where their content is helping them make money. So let's drive, yeah, let's drive more eyeballs to that. And um, yeah, so maybe it's not a, a method or, or an avenue to advertise non-Netflix products, but rather, um, you know, just advertise the next thing, which keeps eyeball and it just a, a circle that allows them to produce more content, that sort of thing. Do you know their own would, content? You know what I would love to see is I would love to see. So product placement's been around forever. Influencer marketing has been around forever in just a, you know, in whatever form you want to call it. I would let Netflix has the kind of clout, the kind of market cap, the kind of usership where you, you really could start to spin things. And instead of showing traditional ads, which have varying levels of use, I would love to see brands start buying into that content buying into the production of the content and then having really nuanced, not overly done product placement. I would, I, to me, that is so much more compelling. And then as people really begin to identify with the characters, those characters are becoming influencers in one way, shape or form. That, that to me, that's kind of a neat evolution of, you know, where influencer marketing with the actual personality is versus where it could be going which influencer marketing with the persona of the show that people get so attached to. Yeah. You know, what are the bikes and sons of anarchy? I don't know, I don't watch the show. But are people connecting with that? Are they Indian cycles? Are they triumphs? Stuff like that. Yep. And I just I think that's a neat natural extension because I think so many times and in so many instances, we just man, we the ads are becoming white noise because they're keeping us from getting to the oh. thing that we want, which is the more content, the I, next episode. I'm probably in the minority. When I when I spot a product placement in a show, I kind of like, I kind of dig it. You know, it's like it's clever. It's something that, like like you said, if it's not like, hey, here's a Coke. Yeah, right. It's more like subtle, and you know, I it, it's I I kind of uh, you know like finding those hidden. Easter eggs, if yeah, you will. absolutely, sure. Yeah. I like when they are Easter eggs and not like a blatant in-your-face mm-hmm. situation, like in season two of Stranger Things, the first episode when everybody's sitting around the table and they're eating uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, <laughs> and they say it is finger looking good. Stop. It's it. like that's that's an I... insult. That's an insult yeah, to, to your intelligence. intelligence. Absolutely. It's like, come on, man. And especially just... considering how intelligent you are. Yeah, because I'm actually quite smart. <laughs> Actually, quite smart, despite my um, uh, my enunciation skills, which need a little bit of uh, brushing up. Apparently. So can you I be like breaking? Sorry, Jeff. You can be like Breaking Bad and 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 create your own brand that you know Los Posimanos now is popping up in big cities after yeah. Better yeah. Call Saul came back. Like that is fascinating too. So can I add? Actually, I was lying before. I wasn't lying. I just didn't know I had a third part to my question. Oh, this actually I think was the second part. Third part <laughs> to the question. Is Netflix now the most prolific content creator maybe ever? Consistency, number of shows, number of new shows, 
and I'm talking about you know the the stuff that they're creating, not necessarily licensing. Are they on the cusp of becoming a the the most prolific? And when I say prolific, I mean consistent, uh, acclaimed uh, content producers in our generation. There a few years ago, there was conversation that Netflix is trying to compete with HBO. From a content production standpoint, I think they've actually exceeded. Oh, I completely agree. Far, far beyond HBO. Yeah. And the fact that they are investing so heavily within content, producing content, and it seems like every time I go in, there's another 10 to 15 shows yeah. for me to pick from that I've never seen before that are all branded Netflix. They're obviously churning this stuff out and they're doing it at record pace from a profitability standpoint. We're not talking about revenue, we're talking about profit. So first quarter, um, the first quarter revenue numbers for Netflix this past year are actually higher than their total or their not revenue, <laughs> uh, their first quarter net income numbers, which is cash money in your pocket, mm -hmm. right? Were higher than 2016 as a whole. Their first half of this year, they've got a higher um, net income number than all of last year. On subscribers they, alone. Yeah, well, and this is why printing, I asked. The, they're printing money. This is why I asked the prolific question. They're you use funding a word, this. You you use a word that I use a lot in reference to this yeah. kind of stuff. Churn. They churn out. The perception of the word churn is that you're creating a widget. You're creating something over. They're creating unique, individual, very engaging content. That's the part to me that is so amazing about all this is that they've amassed a grouping of talent because that's where the money is going, which makes all the sense in the world. They've amassed a group of talent and are able to hand pick directing, writing, all that acting talent that can keep this engine moving. Like this, that's, that's why I'm so, I'm so amazed by it, frankly, is because I think the, the rate with which they produce these things the depth with which they produce them um, and the consistency which with with which they produce them is, I don't know if I ever, I can make an example, let me give you a parallel example in the same industry. Pixar, I've got two little kids, actually all of us literally have two little kids. All they do is churn out good movies. They don't churn them out at the same pace. Yeah. Take a <clears throat> lot longer to make them. So true. could you say Pixar and Disney are in that conversation without a doubt? I mean, it's the same company now, but without a doubt. But fact of the the thing that's just blowing my mind, the thing that you can't commoditize in a market that we're in, that we specifically are in, where you can commoditize anything with technology, you can't commoditize a good idea that somebody executes into a great piece of content. You can't. It has to still come out of somebody's head. And yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm glad you used the term churn rate because I'm going to throw a number out at you guys. I love when you annual, do that. Mm. Annual churn rate for Netflix subscribers is 9%. Oh my God, I would have guessed three times that. 9%. What do you think Hulu is, Joel? More? Greater? I think so based, throw off, a of number the, based off the context clues, 25%. <laughs> My God, fifty percent! Oh my wow. God, 50%. I wonder how much of that happens in a three-month cycle, or is it just like I have to see this episode of Thirty Rock? Mm. I get it for a month and I'm out. Yeah, I mean that's that's basically what you're looking at. And uh, one of the things that te Netflix tested last year, uh, towards the back end of the year, they actually had a boost in um, rates. They rolled it out regionally, and then they basically did mm -hmm. a blanket rate increase. Yeah. 
So they got to a point where they were on a, a month-by-month all-time low with regard to churn. They were down to about 7.8%. Wow. They increased by 10% the monthly cost, mm-hmm. and that shot up to a whopping 9.7%. So when your competition is operating at 50% and you're in the 9 to 10% range, just for, for putting additional dollars in, it shows just how much people don't want to see advertising. So can I, let me say, somebody who has uh, been buying media in large scale for 15 years. Yeah. So say say they say they do say they go, okay, we're going to open the the doors to brand. What kind of gold rush is that from an advertising standpoint? Or is it something that people dip their toe in the water? Or is it just like a let me in the door? I'll take anything I can get. Yeah, and does that offset you know potentially churn rate going up? Right. Yeah. Well, churn rate is going to go up. I was talking to Bailey a little bit earlier, um, who works with Joel. Um, from a social media standpoint and we were talking about this very subject and she said I don't mind when there's Netflix programming that is coming in after my show but as soon as that turns into a shampoo ad I'm out yeah Hmm. so my logical question to her was well what if they dropped your your rate by five dollars a month she's like well that's different (laughs) that's one of those situations and I think what it comes down to is what you'll probably see with a company that has built its foundation on user experience is the fact that it's probably going to be more like a gated community. Mm -hmm. So it's like not everybody can get into that gated community. You need to have significant budgets and you need to be a specific style of advertiser. So you really got to pick your your battles when you're Netflix on who you invite in because it's not just the fact that there's ads, there's quality of ads. so let's go full circle to last yeah. week into monet- somebody monetizing their own personal data. Yes. Is this a much more likely output of somebody being able to monetize their own data in terms of if you let me show you ads, I'm Netflix, your subscription goes from $14.99 a month to $12.99 a month or $8.99 a month. Yeah. Back to the, is like that Pandora. A, yeah. Is that a more likely way for somebody to be able to monetize themselves uh, to advertisers. That is a much more palatable way from a consumer standpoint, but I might even take it a step further. A lot of the revenue that they're they're packing in uh, nowadays is actually coming in from international markets. Some of these markets they're building up audiences in uh, from square one. These are markets that are not accustomed to not being served ads. So why wouldn't you start with doing more international uh, pre-roll or post-roll in some of those areas and really using that as being a big driver from an advertising perspective rather than jumping in with two feet in the American market where people have been accustomed, yeah. frankly, to, to having the benefit of no ads. You know, as, as a strategist, buyer, planner by trade, this is... This is the gold standard space where you want to go from an advertiser perspective. You want to get your brands around incredible content. And especially nowadays with regard to digital platforms, there's oftentimes no guarantee that you're getting exactly what you're paying for. You have to do a lot of due diligence. This is is, as nice as it is as a consumer space right now. It's equally that valuable from an advertiser space because you've got essentially the, the equivalent of primetime television now happening on this platform. Mm-hmm. 
but they've got to do it the right way. Yeah. And they got to roll it out uh, in a measured manner to make sure that they don't lose sight of what got them to these big numbers to begin with. I think they, they have the kind of clout, something I would really like to see. I'm not sure if it's in the cards, but I would like to see, um, you know, as, as advertising, I think, gets gets washed out, gets to be more white noise to people. They have the kind of clout to, to look at advertisers and say, this is the way we want you to advertise. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a 30-second spot. And really start forcing us, forcing brands, to get really creative and do things that are very atypical mm-hmm. of what you know just the market has has come to understand. Now, I think they'll probably take the fastest <clears throat> pathway to revenue. They are a public company; they do need to show. Reed Hastings needs to show, show shareholder value. Mm-hmm. But it, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting the thought. It, I mean, if they wanted to, them and uh, you know a handful of others could really push that agenda. It's, it's funny you mentioned that they have the clout, so it, it, dri- it drives similarities to Walmart. Walmart forced basically like food manufacturers, like they they forced them to package their goods in a certain way, like yeah. to make it easier on Walmart's on Walmart's end. So um, it's not certainly not unprecedented, but uh, interesting similarity there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, we often talk about <clears throat> at Adcom, you know, building meaningful audience relationships for great brands, and you really have to tread lightly when it comes to a platform like this where people have established routines. But I think there's a way that you can go about doing it the right way. I mean, I would love, love to talk to Reed Hastings about this. It's interesting you say that. Is it time? I think I think it's time. We have a new fancy intro for our, for our segment. It's called Cold Knocks. <laughs> That's right. Uh, for for all of our regular listeners out there, time for this week's cold. Thank knock. you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it felt I, good. I, I got to tell you, that felt good. We explored the space there a little bit, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, a couple a couple updates um, with regard to cold knocks. Um, unfortunately, another week has passed, and Mark Pritchard has still not accepted my LinkedIn. That's a shame. Request. That's a shame. I think, as I said last week. Another week is uh, in the cards before you in-mail him. I'm going to leave that up to your discretion, <laughs> as I think you are just a, a highly uh, emotionally um, intelligent individual. Uh, but fact of the matter is, I think maybe he needs he needs another tap on rap on the old door. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the the young woman's name last week was Morgan, McDonald. Morgan Flatley. Yes, Morgan uh, yes, Flatley. Morgan yes. Dance, any right. any word from Morgan, young Morgan? Uh, young Morgan has not responded yet. Just so everybody knows, there's somebody we work with. We're all very close with. Her name is Morgan. We call her Young Morgan. <laughs> this is not a, this is not a universal thing we say about people. This yeah. is more of an Easter egg. Well, I've I've run into a bit of a uh, brick wall here because apparently Reed Hastings is the bee's knees, and I can only follow him. Ah, son uh, of a gun! LinkedIn. So son he, of a, he's too big. Oh, too big to fail. He is too big. Too big to fail. Well, you know what? Good on Reed Hastings. Yeah, good for you, Reed. Good on Reed Hastings. Good for you, Reed. I can tell you what I think. I he provides a hell of a service to me and my family. But I do, yeah. I do have a solution. <laughs> there is another Reed Hastings. Oh, the owner of Hastings Construction Company. I'm gonna go ahead and. Where's him. Where's Hastings Construction located, Jim? Oh, it's Jim. in the San Francisco Bay Area. Beautiful. And Reed, I'm coming at you, buddy. Yeah. And that was this week's edition of Cold Knox. <laughs>
I like the sound effect. The sound effect works for me. Well, hopefully uh, this week we didn't scare anybody off with regard to the um, opportunity uh, that presents itself with Netflix and advertising. We're not quite there yet. It's something we're absolutely going to monitor, and I'm guessing, based on the way that they've operated over time, that it's going to be slow, methodical, and measured as they enter the marketplace. Um, but for all intents and purposes, this is the, the tip of the spear. I would anticipate seeing more ads coming. Uh, we're going to go ahead and um, sign off for today. Hey, do you mind if I jump in real quick? Oh, you know, no, so no. Just something I would like to see from a logistics standpoint. Okay. Not, not this per se, but yeah. something. Um, so we've started to get some engagement with the podcast, which has been really, really nice. Yeah. Um, we'll be posting more about it on our social channels, which Jim deftly tells you about on a weekly basis. Mm. One of the things I would love to see um, is is just a little uh, commenting back and forth, maybe leaving us uh, some thought starters on things that people who are listening to the podcast uh, would like to see, would like to hear, um, things you'd like us to kind of get deeper into. Um, it's always just a nice thing to be able to hone it down to what we think is the most valuable and not just what it comes out of our heads. Right. And review us on uh, on iTunes. There we go. Very review important. Review us on yeah. iTunes. Yeah. And uh, coming soon, Spotify. Yeah. Ooh. Coming soon, Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. You wouldn't be the first to review us on iTunes. Yeah. Let me just tell you that. That's true. Has Mike agreed to play us in and out, though, with uh, with Bush? <laughs> Glycerine? <laughs> yeah. He hasn't yet, but we can work on it. It's really the anthem of the show. Okay, Michael. Um, cue up Glycerine, and we'll catch you next week. Signing off. Okay.